It is first and Moose, Connor, Patrick, and Manny after week four. Used to be the, the quarterway mark of the NFL, but now it's like the three point, I don't know the math, the 3.6, 3.7 way mark. Who knows? Who cares? So that's kind of sad. I honestly liked it being divided up into the four quarters, but once it gets to 18, I'll be a, a lot happier. But biggest thing last night, I think pretty much everyone was watching it. I don't know. I wonder if Adele actually watched it or not. I know they used her in a promo, but I doubt she cares. Patriots, Buccaneers. We could start with the uh, the field goal. Would you have guys gone for the fourth and three or the the fifty six yard field goal? Um, probably. I mean, due to the elements and everything, uh, it being like a total, a complete monsoon while they were playing at that point. Um, I probably would have let Mac um, attempt to go for it just because they had the moment, the momentum in that final drive. It seemed like Mac was playing – he was playing a lot better than he did at the start, a rough start for him. But, yeah, fourth and three wasn't anything crazy. He, like I said, he had all the momentum going for him. And at that point, I think it was like a 56-yard field goal that they attempted. It, it was a bit far, not impossible to make, but with the elements and everything, even like the pressure around the whole game, I think I would have let Mac just go for it to put that trust in him so early on in the season, I think would have been great for him, would have been big for him. But um, unfortunately, they didn't, and they ended up losing the game because of it. Yeah, I don't know if I would have gone for the field goal necessarily in that situation, like Manny talked about. You know, the weather was, you know, it was a big issue, obviously. the monster, it was, Like Manny talked about, it was raining hard. The elements were just not right, and especially a 56-yard field goal, by a kicker who, you know, hasn't been very accurate over the last couple of seasons since he left the Jets um, probably five or six years ago. He's not as good as he used to be. He's not as accurate, not as powerful. So, you know, you know, if it was maybe like no weather whatsoever, just clear, maybe I would have given it a shot. But in the wet, in the, like the wet weather, I probably would have given the ball to Mac Jones and that offense and try to, you know, try to get something. But you know, you got to do what you got to do. It didn't get the win, unfortunately, and the Bucs won. But, again, it was a great game. Brady's first return to the to the Patriots. So, it was, it was a good experience. It was a good game to watch. And then, you know, to see Bill and Tom kind of come together at the end of the game, it was definitely – it was weird to see Tom in a Bucs uniform and, you know, Belichick still coaching the Patriots. So, it was a weird sight, but it was a cool experience. Nick Falk is 63% from uh... – 50 plus yards so not not awful not great so it, it is kind of a weird thing doing it with with the weather and fourth and three i think mac jones could get i don't think they could have ran it that was that was not an option but i believe mac jones can find a quick read and get that first down but obviously just a, just a slow game overall the weather impacted it who knows if brady's emotions it's been a big topic if that would get in the way he didn't play up to Tom Brady's standards at this time in his career, or really any time in his career. Um, but one thing I wanted to focus on is the the Buccaneers, the Buccaneers, excuse me, secondary um, having some issues. They they have some injuries. Obviously, Richard Sherman just comes off. He took forever for some reason to be signed somewhere, but he's immediately having to fill in a role there. And I I think that could be their the Buccaneers biggest weakness in this season Uh, last year they're the healthiest team in the nfl 
And obviously that changes from year to year, most likely. I mean, you could get lucky and be the healthiest team again. And the secondary doesn't have a ton of depth. And you saw it a little bit exposed at times last night. And just through some weeks, we've seen it have a couple of issues here and there. But do you see any issues for this Buccaneers team moving forward? Or am I, am I a little crazy thinking the secondary could be an issue? No, I completely agree with that. I also see that in like the first four games that they have played. It's just, I think the cornerbacks um, that or the defensive backs that they have, they're not really like, they're not household names that you can look at and be like, yeah, he'll shut down anybody. They're, they're average. They're decent. They got Carlton Davis. Uh, I think Ross Cockrell is, there might be their second defensive back or their third, but, and now obviously they got Richard Sherman, but he's going to be, a positive overall, most mostly a positive, but he's not the same guy that you had playing in Seattle all those years ago. Um, age does play a factor now, and we saw it at some points where guys just ran at him and then just did like a quick cut inside, and they had a good amount of separation, and Mac accurately fit the ball in there. So I think um, if you had to pick a weakness of this Buccaneers defense, it's definitely not that front seven because they'll – bring pressure on anybody but if they're not getting pressured right away and giving the quarterback a lot of or an extended period of time to throw the ball I think most quarterbacks um of the better teams that they will face um going forward I think they will find those pockets and will find a way to expose those defensive backs that aren't the fastest either so that's also another point um they'll find a way to expose them in a lot of these games most most like the Rams did uh last week so I think if they don't fix it soon enough I think it'll carry on and they might not get it'll be something that'll just hold them back from to the points where they want to get this season I don't know if I want to necessarily go out and say oh, I'm worried about this Bucks defense obviously yes it was not the greatest game in the world that we've seen from that Bucks defense especially last season I mean they were probably one of the best defenses in the entire NFL and like Connor talked about they were one of the healthiest as well which is which meant they were able to operate it pretty much 100% efficiency the whole season. Yes, this season they have struggled in that secondary, and we saw it, you know, against the Patriots where it was still – they still got the win, but it was, it was a gritty win. It wasn't like a, you know, the Bucks are supposed to be Super Bowl contenders kind of win, if that makes sense. I still think that defense is still very dangerous, like Manny talked about. They still have, you know, Vita Bay. You have Jason Pierre-Paul. You still have Levante David, Devin White. Anton Winfield Jr. in that's in that at that safety spot. So there's still a lot of talent on that Bucks defense. But yes, they do start. They're probably their main weakness would be the secondary just because Anton Winfield Jr. can't cover everything. I still think that Bucks offense is still one of the best in the entire NFL with the amount of weapons that you have. You have a Chris Godwin, a Leonard Fournette, a Ronald Jones, Tom Brady. You have, you know, Mike Evans. You can go on and on with the amount of weapons that Tom Brady has at his disposal. And probably one of the more underrated offensive lines you know, in the entire NFL that we saw in the Super Bowl last year performed way over expectations. So I'm not going to necessarily jump the gun and say that we have to worry a ton about the Bucs because it happens. Every team has, you know, bad. Every team has like a gritty win that, you know, they didn't play the greatest, but, you know, it happens over the course of the season. Sometimes you just hit a team that, you know, you just hit a lull, you get the win, but it wasn't the greatest way you could have won. Patriots fall to one and three. And I believe that defense can be top 10 easily, could jump to top five if Belichick hits all the right points for them. 
Now you can see the improvement it's slowly happening. It always kind of happens with the Belichick team on that defense. It improves throughout the season. So I trust the defense to be good. Do you guys expect this offense to improve enough this season and Mac Jones to improve enough this season where they could, uh, I don't know, just end up being a 500 team? Because right now, one and three at this rate, they're not going to be 500. And I think it's on the offense, not the defense. Yeah, I think uh, I think they could definitely be a 500 team. I think um, we have seen some progression over with Mac Jones over these past um, these past weeks. It was a rough game uh, last week or two weeks ago, maybe that uh, they played against the Saints and uh, he had he didn't have the greatest of games, a lot of unlucky turnovers. But um, going into this game, we definitely saw a lot of improvement. I think, especially in this sort of game where. Um, there's obviously a lot of pressure on Tom Brady, Bill Belichick. That's the story. But if you're Mac Jones, you're the guy that they brought in to replace a guy like Tom Brady. That is also a tremendous amount of pressure that nobody really talked about leading up to it. But the amount of pressure he must have felt just to play solid and have a chance to win this game, which he did. He had, I think he ended with 275 yards, two touchdowns, uh, which is a very solid game. And they probably, in most other circumstances, other than the weather, probably would have won this game. But yeah, other than that, I think if he keeps progressing like this, I think their ceiling could definitely be – their ceiling's definitely 500. I just don't think, um, on the other hand, that they have enough really, like, talent, a lot of superstars to get them, like, to exceed a 500 expectations kind of season. They have Jacoby Myers, uh, Kendrick Bourne, and uh, Nelson Aguilar, but they're, they're decent pieces. They'll get the job done. Um, in some games, but they're not going to like wow anybody or really um, surprise anybody this season. So, but I think 500, I think that's a realistic um, outlook for this season if they could get to that. Yeah, and I, I'd agree with that too. I think the Patriots, you know, they don't have necessarily the weapons that maybe the Bucks do, the Chiefs do, you know, the you could say the Rams, the Chargers, any team really a lot of the good teams in the NFL have good weapons. Obviously that's why they're good. I don't think the Patriots are going to be as good just because Tom Brady was able to make a lot out of nothing. I mean, there are a lot of times that his offenses really, I mean, you had Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, that's a good duo, but those two can, I mean, you know, that's not an entire weaponry of, you know, that's not a lot of weapons for Tom, for Tom Brady and for Mac Jones, who's definitely not Tom Brady. It's going to be tougher. And like Manny talked about, yeah, you have Nelson Aguilar, Kedrick and Kendrick Bourne. And you also add in Johnny Smith and Hunter Henry, who haven't really performed up to the expectations to be completely honest, at least Johnny Smith has sucked for me for fantasy. So, you know, a lot of them have not played well on that Patriots offense. So, I think it is going to be tough. I'd say, you know, we'll say, you know, 500, I think is a good mark. Eight and nine, nine, nine and eight, seven and 10, whatever. I think that's going to be probably like what we're looking like for the Patriots to get another high draft pick. And, you know, this draft class is going to be one of the deeper ones for wide receivers. You can potentially get a Chris Olave, a Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. There's a lot of good wide receiver options. And I think if the Patriots end up around, you know, the mid-teens, that could be their first round pick right there. So I think if they stay around that 7, 10, 8, 8, 9, 9, and 8 record, I think they should be fine. And before we jump into just a, a short legacy talk with Belichick and Brady, after the game, Belichick was asked by a reporter, uh, what was it like going against Tom Brady? And Belichick, probably one of my favorite responses from him ever, he responded and went, 
He said, we went against Brady every day in practice. <laughs> I just found, find that hilarious. He just doesn't care. And I, and I just love the vibe of him not ever caring what the media thinks or reporters think. And I, I think it's fabulous. But do you guys think this game meant more to Belichick and Brady? Do you think uh, it was more than an average game? Or do you think that maybe, you know, the, the media has overhyped this return, that it might mean more to each other's legacy and whatnot? Uh, I mean, I think it definitely meant more to each of them. Um, if I were to say, I think it probably meant more to, I think it definitely meant more to Tom just because um, he's the one that, he's the one that left. I know that they had, I know people made it out to seem like it was Belichick that kind of like forced him out. Um, they didn't have like the most uh, nice of relationships towards the end there, but um, he's the one that left. He's the one that wanted to go find a different team. He wasn't happy with the situation that they had. So coming back in now into an organization that he did so much for, that did so much for him to just give him a chance to play. I think it definitely proved or was worth more to him just to come in and show that um, he still had a lot more left in the tank that, that, that they thought he did. But um, overall, like in terms of legacy, I think, I think it only like validates what um, each one, each one like had built up already uh, individually speaking, just in terms of, um, it was always the question of, is it more Bill Belichick or is it more Tom Brady? Which one was really the, the cause of all this success? And I think both of them proved that um, they both had an equal share in that. And especially for Belichick, because he did a lot of, a lot of scheme. He showed Brady a lot of schemes and a lot of um, packages that really had him confused at some points, it seemed, of the game and never really let him get in a flow. And Tom was just being Tom, even if um, Bill Belichick did confuse him, he was always going to have a chance just because of the player. He is, he's such a great talent, but I think overall this game just validated each of their points and there wasn't, and it seemed like there really wasn't a guy or it wasn't really Belichick or Tom Brady that was the overall factor in why the Patriots were um, so successful. I think you could, you saw from last night that it was a definitely a collective effort in that. So that's the biggest takeaway I saw in terms of which it what it meant to each um, to Belichick and to Tom. I think it's a matter of, I don't really necessarily think it affects their legacy per se. Yes. They had enjoyed probably one of the greatest runs in any, by any team in NFL history, most like probably the greatest run I'd say. I mean, when you think about it, they won what six Super Bowls over their what 20 years together 20 like 19 years together whatever that's one of the more impressive feats I think any head coach and quarterback duo has ever achieved you know maybe Bill Walsh and Joe Montana if you really want to throw that in there but I think that you know you have to think about Tom Brady's legacy yes he came in a sixth round pick seventh round pick nobody expected anything on him. Drew Bledsoe gets injured he comes in and you just see him take over that team immediately and become the identity. And he was the identity of that Patriots team up until he left in free agency to go to the Bucs. And now he's the identity of the Buccaneers. It's just, it's just the talent level. It's the presence. That's the biggest thing. I mean, we've, I mean, we've all grown up on him literally from the time we were born, he's still playing. 
And we have grown up with him and we know that presence. I mean, all you have to say is Brady and everyone knows it's Tom Brady. It's just that presence that he has. That's quite, I mean, that's, that is his legacy. Everyone knows who Tom Brady is, whether you watch football, whether you're a diehard or just some random person on the street with a decent level of sports knowledge, you know who Tom Brady is. And you say the same exact thing for Bill Belichick. I mean, all you have to say is Belichick. Everyone knows who that is. It's just that legacy that they've built over the last 20 years. And I don't necessarily say they were dependent on each other. Yes, Tom Brady is one of the greatest players of all time. Could you say he's the GOAT? I think that's a fair, I think that's a fair point to make. I'd also say that Bill Belichick is probably one of the greatest head coaches of all time. Yeah, he's had a tough time readjusting to life without Tom Brady, but there still is that good defense that the Patriots always had throughout the years. There's that decent offense where, you know, necessarily they didn't invest a ton in the offense or at least get the right players that they needed. Um, but they somehow make it done. They somehow get it done. And you know what, Mac Jones, it's his first year. Um, it's not the greatest first year, but plenty of quarterbacks have had bad first years. And then all of a sudden they become, you know, great players. So I think it's there, there is some similarities to how their legacy has played out, but I wouldn't necessarily say that last night's game was like a make or break for their legacy. Yeah. It's probably one of the, you know, the media definitely overhyped it a little bit. I'll say that, but I don't think, I mean, at the same time, it's good reason. I mean, you have the one of the greatest all-time coaches and arguably the best, like the greatest of all-time football player coming back after a 20-year reunion. So I think it's maybe they overhyped it. Maybe they didn't. I don't really think they did, but I don't really think it makes or breaks their legacy because they're both arguably the greatest of all-time coaches, coach and player. So I think Tom Brady cares more about his legacy, just how he's branded himself as a more likable person just overall. But I, I want to hear both of your thoughts on who do you think cares more about their legacy, Belichick or Brady? Uh, that's a good question. I think I would probably just say Tom, just because of the, um, like you mentioned, Connor, before the questions or the demeanor that Belichick carries in any anytime he talks to the media or to really anybody, probably that um, that nonchalant character, that demeanor he carries with all his answers, and that um, those facial expressions, that non and non emotional facial expressions that he has. Also, I think he's just like going about um, his job, doing his job right, and it's just all that all this hype that's built around him and Tom and all his teams around over his course of time. I think he just doesn't really care. Um, whereas Tom, I think he takes it a bit more personal and that's why he plays um, so good at times in those clutch moments, because he wants to prove all those people wrong. He's been proving people wrong all his career being uh, such a late draft pick and now being like Patrick said, probably the greatest football player of all time. So I think it just has to do with like each of their characters. Bill Belichick is more um, nonchalant, like I said before, more relaxed and non-caring. Well, it doesn't mean he doesn't, um, doesn't hear all this noise and wants to prove people wrong, but I just think it's, the way that Tom Brady shows it more, it's more evident in him. I think it definitely matters more to him just because, um, like I said, just because of their characters. I think Belichick is definitely more okay with like being the villain compared to Brady. I think Brady yeah, wants to be exactly. Liked. I'd agree. I feel like it kind of plays like you guys talked about. I think Brady more, not so much cares about his legacy because he is already like, like we've all talked about. He is Tom Brady. He's the greatest football player of all time. He's cemented that. And really, if he retired today, there would be no debate 
as to who would be the greatest, you know, quarterback and player of all time. It'd be Tom Brady. Now, actually, I just saw this on Front Office Sports. 28.5 million viewers watched last night's game. It's projected to be the most watched NBC Sunday night football game since 2012 and the second most watched game all time. 28.5 million viewers turned in to see the reunion. So I would say that it was one of the biggest, it's probably one of the biggest games that anybody's ever seen just because of the legacy that they built with that Patriots team over the last 20 years. But to answer your point, I think that, you know, Tom Brady not so much cares about his legacy because he's already cemented himself as one of the greatest players of all time, if not the greatest. But at the same time, I think Bill Belichick just does not care at this point. Like Connor talked about, he is the villain. He is absolutely the villain. He would be the villain if he was in an animated movie, whatever. He would 100% be the villain. So I think he, Belichick really could care less because, again, he's cemented himself even more than Brady has. But I think Brady, I mean, he's, a, he's still a football player. He's going to want to build that legacy even more and further cement himself, you know, out of, out of debate as the GOAT. Let's move on to positive vibes only. Arizona Cardinals, undefeated. Man, it, it annoys me because I was not very high on them, but whatever. I guess they could prove me wrong. I, I still have my doubts. I still doubt Cliff Kingsbury. I think it's it's too much on Kyler Murray being playing hero ball, basically, making something out of nothing a lot. But I guess we got to discuss it. Kyler Murray playing as well as he's playing playing like an MVP and the team could be a, a top one or two seed in the NFC. Are we believing this 4-0 Arizona Cardinals team? Are they a legit contender, a top contender, a Super Bowl contender this, this season? I would, I think after this week, I think more people are starting to believe it. There's more evidence to prove that they just beat the Rams who everybody had in the Super Bowl before this season even started. But um I but the teams that they have being that they beat the Titans who who just lost to the Jets. I know they didn't have Julio or AJ Brown, but they're really not the most impressive of wins. They beat the Jaguars again. They haven't won a game yet. But this is the this is the game that really showed that or really proved to a lot of like doubters that the Cardinals team wasn't as um wasn't as bad as they thought or wasn't as under wasn't as overhyped as more, many people thought. Again, they beat the Rams, who are a great team from top to bottom, great offense. Now with Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, that relationship seems um, really strong, really good for them. That um, Matt Stafford has that reliable weapon for for himself. That defense again, it all starts with Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and uh, all the other talented players they have. Leonard Floyd as well coming off the coming off the edge. Um, this this was a very big game. Like, a division game that both teams coming in undefeated. Um, it was a great win for the Cardinals, especially 37 to 20. They did, didn't really have their way with the Rams, but it was not, it wasn't the scoreline that a lot of people would have predicted for this game. Um, they flustered Matthew Stafford a lot. Um, their offense seemed well balanced. They ran the ball. The running game seemed very good. And Kyler Murray made the throws that he had to make and didn't make a, a any or very little mistakes throughout that game. So, I think going forward, this they've they've gotten the attention of a lot more of the league going forward, and a lot a lot of those teams were not playing accordingly to that. And I think if they still be good teams, I think they'll they'll position themselves well as the season goes farther and farther to being a top, definitely a top three team in the NFC. 
it's weird to talk about as the Cardinals as one of the top teams in the NFC for as long as I've known, you know, about football, which has been pretty much my whole life. You don't expect the Cardinals to be good. And, you know, I'm still not super, I'm still apprehensive. Like Connor talked about Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury had a losing record in college to be, if I'm completely, if I'm, if I'm right about that one, but I think that it's still, it's still up in the air. It's still early. Like we talked about it's week four or just, we just ended week four. We're going into week five. I still think it's early. It's still too early in the season to really predict, you know, who's going to be going into the playoffs. I think we can start doing that probably around like, you know, week 10, maybe if we're going to be completely honest, but it is very encouraging to see the Cardinals playing at such a high level this early in the season. Yeah. You have Deandre Hopkins, you have, James Conner, who came over th- from the Steelers and has played playing, you know, pretty well. I mean, he played lat- he played incredibly well against the Rams. He got like 20-something points on fantasy. And then you also add in, you know, you add in Kyler Murray, who's going to be in the MVP, MVP conversation. There's no qu- – if there's any doubt about that, I'd be shocked just because he's been playing at such a high level this season. And I think that he's such a versatile player. He can throw the ball incredibly well. We saw that at Oklahoma, and we're seeing him with the Cardinals. Again, he's very good at throwing. That's why he got drafted so high in the MLB draft, too, because he's got a cannon. He's just got such a live arm. And you also have to remember, he's one of the more mobile quarterbacks in the NFL, if not maybe the most mobile up there with maybe Lamar. Uh, so it's good to see that the Cardinals have a lot of good options on offense. And you talk about that defense as well. You know, they still have Buda Baker. They still have J.J. Watt, who, you know, necessarily hasn't performed, you know, maybe up to the expectations, but it's still J.J. Watt. He's going to demand, you know, a double team every once in a while. And then you add in probably one of the best sack artists that we've seen in, in a long time in Chandler Jones, who's it's just got an arsenal of moves that, I mean, most offensive linemen are going to have nightmares about at night. So I think it's very encouraging to see the Cardinals playing well for the first time in a long time but I'm not going to exactly go full gas on, you know, their expectations. I'm just going to, you know, pump the brakes a little bit, wait for it to go out. You know, if they get to their bye week, you know, whenever it is, and they're still maybe like a six and two or a seven and three, whatever like that, they're well above 500 and then first and second in the NFC East. Yeah. I'm going to be impressed, but I'm still going to hold back on my expectations. I don't really, I don't want to give any expectations, maybe besides like, you know, the Rams, the bills or not, not the Rams, the chiefs, the Bills, um, the Browns, maybe teams like that. But otherwise, I still think there's a long season ahead of us. I, Kyler Murray throws one of the most beautiful balls, like tight spirals down the line. And he's a, he's also a great, great scrambler. And I think we're going to continue to see it. And I mean, I was, I was thinking the other day, talking to someone, I was like, I'm so scared for NFL defenses when we when we uh get a Lamar Jackson that can throw the ball like a like a Aaron Rodgers and I was like yesterday then I was like it's kind of Kyler Murray's kind of that person I feel like he he can throw the ball pretty close to Aaron Rodgers level and then he can also scramble like a Lamar Jackson so I guess I I need to add some more respect to to Kyler Murray but another positive team, I don't know if you're going to like this one that I found here, Patrick. Dallas Cowboys, it could be 4-0. The Cowboys Twitter is going wild right now. It's uh, a little bit obnoxious. They're, they're talking about the Super Bowl down there in Dallas. Uh, they're, it's, I mean, it, it's insane. I, I, they're, they're excited. 
but the offense is elite. That's true. And the, the run game's doing well with Zeke and Tony Pollard. PFF, I don't know if people like PFF. I like it for the most part. But uh, has their offensive line rated right the highest for run blocking and third overall. Do we think this is a uh, easy first place team in the NFC East? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll keep it short just because I want to see what Patrick has to say about the, uh, the Cowboys. But um, yeah, from what I've seen, I think, uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to buy into the hype too much just because uh, they are the Cowboys. They always, something seems to happen later on in the season that just kind of derails everything. But up till now, I think they have been kind of what, they should be with such a high-powered offense. CD Lamb, Amari Cooper, Dak playing the way he is now. Like the emergence of Tony Pollard to complement Zeke, I think they're at a good spot. Uh, they're at a good place where they um, where they should feel comfortable being like that. There should really shouldn't be that many surprises. They could be very well before and oh if um, if they um, kind of like mess up that play uh, against um, the Buccaneers Week One, but. Yeah, I think they're at a good spot right now. Their schedule isn't the strongest per se right now or going forward, but um, yeah, I think being three and one at this point and seeing the play of the rest of the teams in the NFC East, I think they could uh, they should feel good about the way that they're trending uh, up up till this point. Patrick, <laughs> I hate this. I hate this <laughs> so much. It's just awful. Yeah, obviously my Eagle, you know, the Eagles, I knew we're going to have a tough season. It was Nick Sirianni's first year, the Italian Italian Ted Lasso, as many have called him now. Uh, it's going to be a tough season. The bright spot of all this is we got three first round picks in the first 10 picks. That's the only hope I'm holding on to because that's the last thing I have as an Eagles fan is hope. But even then, I really don't. I think, yes, the Cowboys are probably going to run away with this division. I'm going to be completely honest with you. I think that they're going to probably – they're going to be a contender. I wouldn't – just the thought that they might compete for the Super Bowl just kills me inside. It kills me because I know Cowboys fans will just go on it forever and ever. And that's just how the Cowboys are, how the Eagles are. We, had, I mean, we did the exact same thing for two seasons after we won the Super Bowl, and now we're probably one of the worst in the NFL. But – that's beside the point. I think the Cowboys offense is elite. I think you talk about Amari Cooper, CD lamb. You'd have Dak Prescott who, I mean, I really could say you've ha he's had an up and down career. He's been great at times and we've seen that this season, but also at times, you know, in past seasons, he struggled and yes, he had, you know, injuries. He had mental health struggles, which is fine. We all have that. So especially as a football player, I mean, he has way more expectations placed on him than any of us who you know don't play sports at all do so i think dak prescott is still one of the is still a very good quarterback i'd say top 15 you add in zeke elliott you add in tony pollard who's a good backup and a very like you know a decent you can get the job done you go to that defense michael parsons i mean he's just it's just he's just an x factor I think Micah Parsons is what Isaiah Simmons of the Cardinals was projected to be. I'm going to be completely, I'm going to be honest with that one. Isaiah Simmons coming out of college, he was, I mean, he was really tagged as this like weapon X, almost like a Brian Dawkins who played, I mean, who was, who was like a legendary player for the Eagles and was just one of the greatest, most versatile players we've ever seen. I think Isaiah Simmons is still a good player, but he isn't exactly what he was projected to be, which is that X factor, that 
play anywhere, blitz, cover the pass, play high safety, play wherever. That's what Micah Parsons is kind of doing. Yes, he's a bigger, he's much bigger than Isaiah Simmons, maybe a little bit slower because of his frame, but he's still one of the more dangerous rookies and he's having an incredible season. And you add in that secondary, I mean, that's still one of the better secondaries in the entire NFL. I think this Cowboys team is almost complete. I wouldn't say necessarily it's like the complete package, like some teams are, maybe like the Chiefs, maybe of last season, maybe not this season as much. Uh, and the Buccaneers, who are complete pretty much, you know, up and down the offense, defense, and special teams. So, you know, I don't know. I, I just hate seeing the Cowboys do so well uh, as an Eagles fan, but I have to admit they are playing extremely well. They're playing above expectations. But again, it's early. You have no, we have no idea what's going to happen. We have no idea what's going to happen in two weeks, four weeks, six weeks. We have no idea. But for, based off of the first four weeks, I'm impressed with how the Cowboys are playing as much as that irks me. And the Cowboys to me have kind of like a similar formula as the Chiefs have had the last couple of years, just a very high profile offense. And then just that defense, just enough splash plays. Not a very good defense, going to give up plenty of points, but they trust their offense enough. As of now, the, the Cowboys defense is doing enough to win games. They're not great, but they're not, you know, the worst in the NFL. And, and you know, they just need a couple, one or two turnovers Apparently, Diggs is going to get that interception a game as of now. Obviously, that's going to stop happening. But I think they, they have enough playmakers on that side where they can just stall a couple drives here and there and get a couple turnovers where the offense is going to, going to score. So they're going to be able to keep up with anyone in the NFL. Any other positive vibes-only teams or players from this weekend from you guys? Uh, yeah, I had one. I think um, just not the most exciting of games, but um, the Bears and the Lions, the Bears getting that win over the Lions. Yeah, I know it's the Lions. Um, not much, not many expectations going to the Lions really any season. But um, just to think the way that the Bears um, that they played last week against the Browns just got absolutely manhandled and dominated. Um, and just threw Justin Fields out there to just be – kind of just do whatever just threw him out there and just expected him to perform with no game plan no nothing to really protect them against the Browns um front line that just really had their way with their offensive line and just um manhandled really Justin Fields but to come back out here and to have the confidence in Justin Fields to to start him again and for him to have a pretty solid game uh he, had, he was 11 for 17 for 209 yards he didn't throw a, he threw an interception no touchdowns but it was definitely a way better performance, a lot of improvement shown. And uh, I think also it had to, I, probably not not a little bit, a lot to do with Matt Nagy now not being the one to call this offensive plays. Um, that got switched and now they score 24 points. So not not a surprise that our, that the correlation there is, uh, is evident. But um, yeah, I think going forward, um, this line, not Lions, the, the Bears team, uh, if they can build off of this, they're not going to, obviously they're not going to win the division, not going to be in any sort of contention, but they could, if they could develop Justin Fields enough, I think next season could be, could be a, a lot better season than um, 
this year and maybe with another head coach, probably most likely with uh, Matt Nagy not being there, they could uh, maybe surprise people next year. But this year, this year's just all about developing Justin Fields. And I think this game was a good starting point for that. Well, the, the question might be, will they develop Justin Fields, I guess, at this point? It seems like for some reason, Matt Nagy is adamant on Andy Dalton being the the starter. I believe there was a, another quote this week where he was saying, if Andy Dalton's healthy, he's our starter. Doesn't make sense to me. They need to start Justin Fields. He's a better player, a better option. And I mean, I'm fine with it as a Packers fan, chaos going down in Chicago. But I, I saw a very funny tweet I thought I'd share with you guys about Matt Nagy's insistence on Andy Dalton being the starter QB. It's it's by Roger Sherman of the Ringer. It was uh, February, L.A. The Bears have just won the Super Bowl in 35 years. Justin Fields admires the Lombardi and his MVP trophy. As the confetti falls, a reporter asked Matt Nagy how they did it. First of all, he says, I want to be clear that Andy's our starter if he's not hurt, <laughs> which was one of the funniest tweets I've seen in a while. And I think Matt Nagy believes it. I think he's he's some reason on the Andy Dalton trade. I don't know what Andy Dalton's done, but I mean, this is a job saver if, if Justin Fields shows promise. So I, I don't get it. But what do you make of this situation, Patrick? It's just a weird situation. Like, why – Andy Dalton was good, what, 10 years ago with the Bengals when he had A.J. Green and they some, like, somehow had a decent Bengals team. It just doesn't make sense when you have arguably a generational quarterback. Justin Fields, we saw it in QB1. He was electric, to say the least, for Marietta High School down in Georgia. And he was, I mean, he was an incredible leader. Poise, everything like that. He was a great quarterback. We saw, unfortunately, Georgia just completely dropped the ball on starting Jake Fromm over Justin Fields. And we all see how we all saw how that turned out. He played incredible at Ohio State. We all knew how that turned out. He played incredible. Gets drafted to the Bears. He's still, he can move incredibly well. Yeah, he's a rookie. Of course, he's not going to be, you know, fantastic first year in the league. And I, I think that's expected. But in order for him to get better, he needs game experience, which is why Matt Nagy completely just blows my mind when he says Andy Dalton is still our star- starter. Why is he your starter if he's ten year if he's like five years past your prime and you have a and you have a first year quarterback rookie quarterback who's probably I mean if it all goes right he could be go down as one of the greatest mobile quarterbacks up there with a Randall Cunningham, a Russell Wilson, you know, depending on where Kyler Murray's career, Kyler Murray as well, if you want to be completely honest. So he had, he has the arm, he has the legs, he has the leadership, which is the biggest thing as a, as a rookie. It completely boggles me. Uh, obviously as a Packers fan, Connor probably loves this. Uh, but again, it's just, it's a confusing situation. I'm a I wish Matt they would Nagy start- stand just so. Everyone oh yeah. Knows. I bet. Oh, I bet. Oh yeah. <laughs> I bet. I bet. I was, yeah, no, I could say that with Jason Garrett. I was very unhappy when they fired him <laughs> because I absolutely loved him as a, Cow- as a Cowboys head coach. But yes, I think it's very confusing. I don't know exactly know why Matt Nagy loves Andy Dalton so much. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But again, game experience equals getting better equals being a, you know, a franchise quarterback. If you can't get the game experience, it's going to be hard to progress. So Matt Nagy's essentially holding back the development of Justin Fields. And it's, again, it's another Bears move. You're not shocked. Weekend woes. We'll start with you, Patrick. 
Any any weekend woes for you? Yeah, my weekend woe for I think I think the biggest, the most embarrassing loss of the week and probably the season was the Jets beating the Titans in overtime. Let's just talk about this first. The Jets. When was the last time they were good? Never. They haven't been good in a long time. <laughs> There's a reason they're called the Jets. They mess up every single pick. Normally, they've done a little bit better in drafting players. Quentin Williams, I mean, he played a, a, an incredible game, nearly basically shut down, you know, any offensive production out of Brian Tannehill and Derrick Henry. Yes, we all knew that the Titans were going to have a much tougher challenge when you're missing your number one wide receiver in A.J. Brown and your number two wide receiver in Julio Jones, who's, again, one of the greatest, probably one of the greatest players at wide receiver that we've ever seen. It was going to be tough for the Titans, but again, it's the Jets. They mess up everything. So when you see the Jets come out of that game with a 27-24 win, it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing to the Titans it just further shows that the Titans, yes, they have a good offense when they're healthy. Again, A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, and Julio Jones, that's a dangerous duo. And you add in Ryan Tannehill, who's, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm happy for him. He's had such a career resurgence in, in Tennessee. But when you lose to the Jets, it brings up a lot of questions, namely that defense. It's not great at all. Their defense struggles. They've struggled drafting defensive players for the last couple of years and just drafting in general. I mean, you talk about Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia who came in the 2019 draft, 2020 draft. And I think he's, I don't even know where he's playing now. I think he tried I thought I saw he tried out for some team. I don't know who, but he hasn't played. And he was supposed to be a very good player. And yeah, that was character. I mean, it's just major character issues that, you know, you couldn't address before the draft, but it brings up a lot of questions about your drafting. If you can't get good players on that Titans defense, that has to be the focus for them because right now their defense just looks like Swiss cheese at points. And especially when you lose to the Jets, it's embarrassing. And they have to come back next week, whoever they play, and come out with a vengeance because it was it was. I mean, I know I've said it, but it's embarrassing to lose to the Jets in such in in that kind of fashion. It's bad. I mean, it's they're lucky their division is is bad. Doesn't seem like anyone wants to win it currently but i i assume the titans they're still they're still in control of that division i think they should win it at the end of the day who knows if they will i guess the colts could find a way to get rolling but i'm not sure they're going to get rolling enough where the titans can kind of you know only win 10 games and probably squeak it out to be honest a weekend well for me was just the game itself Browns Vikings. Ugh, that was ugly. It, it was not fun to watch. Anytime I saw it come up on red zone or anytime I decided to to flip to it, I was like, oh, it just gets worse and worse somehow. But Patrick, you you're pretty high on the Browns this season, Baker Mayfield this season. And we want to hear your thoughts and Manny's thoughts. But are, are we thinking Baker? I believe, obviously, you think this, Patrick, but Manny, do you believe Baker is the QB that can lead the Browns to the Super Bowl? I believe he's only got two touchdowns this season thus far. He's struggling a little bit, but obviously it's it's a run-heavy team. It's not all about him. The defense has improved massively. Do you trust Baker to be the guy in Cleveland? 
Um, up until this point, um, probably just because of the just because what you mentioned, the the game plan that they have around them, the scheme that uh, um, that they uh, that they put around them, just uh, run heavy, a lot re- really limiting the, the errors he can make. Um, but other than that, he has improved. Uh, I'm not going to say here that every time he throws the ball, there's a chance that he throws an interception because he has reduced that a lot from his first couple seasons. But yeah, uh, going off of or building off of the the game itself, I think, um, like you said, Connor, I think it was just a very boring, dull game. Um, Baker Mayfield, again, they had chances to score. I was watching that. The only reason I was watching that game was to see if Odell Beckham will finally get a touchdown. Again, Baker Mayfield just doesn't look his way or either just throws the worst ball possible to Odell Beckham for him to score anything. So that's my only issue I had with that game. But I think um, overall, the biggest point, um, I think it's Baker Mayfield. He's he's really a safe kind of quarterback. He's not going to lose you games if um, if you stick to that game plan and sk- stick to the uh, just the team that you have built around him. It's a very safe very low end stakes for uh, for the Browns. So I think if they continue with him, they'll they'll continue with that smooth path that they've uh, that they've made for themselves. Yeah, and I mean, as the you know, as I've as I hyped up the Browns earlier in the you know before we started the season, I still think the Browns have one of the best defenses in the NFL, and we saw that. I mean, they completely. I mean, we say teams shut down other teams' offenses, but they really shut down that Vikings offense, allowing only 2.8 yards per carry, which is, you know, almost unheard of for teams dominating other teams, you know, offenses. So, you know, it is good to see the Browns defense playing extremely well and at a high level as they go into the rest of the season, because it's going to be a tough one. The Bengals, for some reason, look half decent, which is shocking because they have one good, they have Joe Burrow and they have Jamar Chase and a non-existent offensive line and they're winning games. It doesn't make sense. You add in the Ravens who are playing again at a good, at a high level. They've had injuries, but they still played, you know, pretty well. That's an interesting, that game we'll have to talk about later on. That was an interesting, interesting end to the end to the game. Let's just say that. And you add in the Steelers who are, are just, I just think they're a mess. I'm sorry, Manny, but they're just a complete mess. I think Juju's lost it. I think Chase Claypool just, I don't know what's going on with him. And then you, you started with Ben Roethlisberger. You saw Juju say during the game, this is Ben's fault. And it is Ben Roethlisberger has not played has, it's just, it has to retire. They have to draft a new quarterback. And I know that hurts to say Manny, but it's true. But again, back to the Browns. I think Baker Mayfield is going to lead this team. You know, we're going to see what happens with that offense. Obviously it's a very run heavy team, which makes sense because Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, that's one of the, it's the best running back duo in the entire NFL. But you have to have a pass attack because otherwise teams are just going to load the box up and, you know, try to blitz every game, every, excuse me, every play. So Baker has to get it together with Odell, with Jarvis Landry, with David Njoku and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt out of the backfield. I'm not worried about them. I still think they're going to be a great team. And I think they're going to compete for that AFC championship and maybe the Super Bowl. Not as high on them making the Super Bowl anymore, but I am more high on them still competing, still a very much big contender for that AFC championship. All right, let's let's move on to a quick two-minute trail. We'll talk about a couple of the remaining games before we do a rookie QB report. Start with you, Manny. I'm sorry to bring it up. 
But the Steelers, where do they go now? Do they give up on the season? Where are you landing with this team? Yeah, I think the most frustrating thing about the Steelers, well, one of a couple, is that um, just the way that they are, they're, they're never going to, or they're at least never going to say that they're going to give up on the season. They could be probably like one and six, and still you'll have Mike Tomlin up to think, saying that um, you just have a few minor details to fix and they'll turn this thing around. It's not going to happen. And forget forget the offensive line and all the issues that they have there. I could probably think of like five or seven quarterbacks that'll do a lot better than Ben with that offensive line. So it's not like Ben's looking like like Aaron Rodgers or Pat Mahomes when that line gives him a good amount of time to throw. He's, when he does have time to throw, he just seems to just overthrow or under the receivers. So at this point, I don't know, being one and three, I think now that their ceiling has become to just to get to like 500 or at least a few games over 500 to be in that middle um, middle kind of tier class of uh, draft picks. They're not going to contend for the AFC definitely not the AFC championship, maybe the division, probably not the way that the Bengals, the Browns, and even the Ravens, surprisingly, with all those injuries have played. So I don't know. I think at this point, just getting to having not a losing season would be, would be a good place to be for, especially Mike Tomlin. I, oh, I was going to say, I would say the Texans. I just don't know. Like, I don't know what to say at this point, to be completely honest with them. It's just a joke of a franchise at this point. You have Deshaun Watson, who's on your bench. And obviously there's a lot of issues that, you know, stem from the off season that, you know, are probably good reasons why he, I mean, they are good reasons why he should not be starting anymore in the NFL. I think, I don't think he deserves a place anymore, actually, but Davis Mills has just been thrown into absolutely the worst situation. I think a rookie quarterback has ever been thrown into and there's still the Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence, who we'll get into in a couple minutes. But Davis Mills, I mean, it just sucks. It honestly, I feel bad for the kid because in the first half, he threw more passes to Bill's defenders than his own wide receivers. He threw two interceptions in the first half and just one Texans player caught a, a ball from him. Eight yards in total in the first half. They ended up only score, only having a hundred and like, 108-109 yards, which is the low, third lowest total in franchise history. It's embarrassing to see the Texans become such a joke of a franchise in such a quick turnaround from when they had DeAndre Hopkins, J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, Brian Cushing, Deshaun Watson, Matt Schaub. There's so many good players on that Texans team just five, six years ago, and now they've just become the joke of the NFL. And that's right up there with the Jaguars. They both become the absolute just jokes of the NFL, and it's 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 bad to see that because you don't want to see teams that are just you know tanking every year and then not doing anything about it. So I think the Texans are my weekend well because they get blown out, just absolutely blown out by the Bills who are riding high, forty to nothing. Final quick thoughts from you guys before we go to our QB reports. Washington football team, Taylor Heineke. They're two and two. Obviously, this team has, I believe, playoff. Pretty obviously every team has playoff aspirations, but this team has like legitimate playoff aspirations. Ryan Patrick is currently still out with an injury. Do you think Taylor Heineke can keep this team afloat while he, he is out? They don't have a friendly schedule coming up though. They got Saints, Chiefs, and Packers. So how, how are we feeling about that football team moving forward right now? 
Yeah, I think my my just my overall thoughts is very underwhelmed at this point, just because the of the the attention that that defense of that that defense got overall, and especially that that front four, front seven that they had was talked about as being the best in the league, but they haven't really shown that at all. It maybe a few instances here or there. I haven't like completely watched all their games, but just from what I've seen on social media and some some parts of their games, it just doesn't seem the same as last year. I know it's we're only four games in that could completely change uh in the weeks coming up. But um up to this point I don't think Chase Young has a sack yet. And that's a that's an issue. I know it's four games like I just said, but um this is the guy that you this is a guy that a lot of people had as having future or current defensive player of the year um standards and to not have a sack yet is not it's a little bit concerning. Not complete panic mode, but if you're a Washington football team fan you have to start thinking like where is the pressure uh, when is the pressure going to start coming from this um front seven that we've put so much attention on and in terms of offense Taylor Heineke's okay um, I don't think you're going to get much more from Ryan Fitzpatrick really um he's been around but he's not um he's not going to deliver that x-factor kind of performance that I think this team needs so they have some stars on that offensive um side of the ball the Terry McLaurin um Antonio Gibson, solid, and Logan Thomas is a solid tight end, but I don't know. If they don't – if I think they're just one piece away, really, at this point, and I think they're just going to carry on like that, um, being a decent team, but they're not going to be really anything special, just uh, – especially if that defense isn't, uh, isn't improving and are keeping them in games. Yeah, I'd also say with the football team, they have a decent offense. Howler Haneke, obviously, is just a stop a stop. Got, stop. Gap quarterback for the football team. He's not their franchise quarterback by any means. And I think they have a decent offense. They have Terry McLaurin. They have Logan Thomas, like you talked about, Manny. And that defense is still very good, but they just have not been able to produce so far this season. And it is, I mean, again, it's another team in the NFC East, which obviously I don't want to see them succeed. But I think you also do have to think about it, about they have still a good team. If they can put it together, the offense can, I mean, the offense can put up yards. They put up 402 yards, you know, in that game, which is a lot of offense. Yes. The defense gave up 30 points, but if the defense can turn it around, that's a dangerous team right there that you could potentially have. I mean, you could put that up with the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys may have a little bit more weaponry and a, maybe a better defense. I mean, their defense is probably comparable. I think we also have to talk about the football team being raided over the weekend by the DEA. I don't know if you guys saw that, but their head trainer is currently on leave for undisclosed reasons. But when the DEA comes to raid your offices, it's probably not a good sign. And maybe that's a story that's going to keep developing over the next couple of days. So we could potentially be looking at, you know, major storylines coming out of the football teams, uh, you know, coming out of that base. So we'll see what happens with that. But, you know, that's an interesting storyline that kind of broke this morning about the football team. So we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks, next couple of days. But I think by the time next week, we'll probably have a better answer of, you know, what exactly happened and the implications. Yeah, there'll be there'll be a wild, wild story to unfold moving forward. But let's jump into our rookie QB reports. Start with Mac Jones. He was in prime time last night. I think his biggest thing, he needs to be comfortable with, quote unquote, NFL open, where it's just, it's necessarily someone that's slightly open, but not as comfortable as he was where he was throwing to Alabama wide receivers where they're wide open. 
how are you guys feeling on the Mac Jones experiment thus far in New England? Yeah, I think uh, out of all the rookie quarterbacks, I think um, he has shown, I think, just the highest um, performance or the best performance out of any of them. Uh, I think it was probably um, this week that he had that. Um, I think he's also the quarterback that has shown, I think, the most improvement from week to week. Um, the first few games were just really nothing special. Last week was his rough game, the one where he actually did look like a rookie. And But this one, it was kind of like, I guess I would say his breakout performance just because of the stipulation, all the things around that game. And he had a good amount of yards and threw two touchdowns and kept them in a game against uh, the GOAT, against Tom Brady. So I think he, at this point, four games in, I think he's the quarterback that I like I like watching the most. Oh, not, not watching the most, but I think the one that's um, that's performed the best, the, the one that's kind of had the most stable performance is the late, the least inconsistent quarterback out of the, uh, out of that class. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think Mac Jones has quickly become the more consistent player of, you know, the five quarterbacks that were drafted in this year's NFL draft. Uh, but, you know, again, it's still early. He's a rookie. All of these guys are rookies. You know, who knows what's going to happen? Obviously, we know what's going to happen with Trevor Lawrence. He got sent to the absolute worst place in the world. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens with him. Could we potentially see a David Carr example, excuse me, of when David Carr got drafted to the Texans and he was supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks coming out of the draft. And he just had a lackluster career because the Texans were awful. Could we see that with Trevor Lawrence? That would be one of the biggest wastes of talent I think we've ever, we would have ever seen, given that Trevor Lawrence doesn't lose. Obviously, in, in high school and college, I don't think he lost a game, maybe one. And we've seen him lose, what now, four in the NFL? It's concerning. And I feel bad for the kid because he got thrown in the absolute worst situation. But talking about Mac Jones, I think, yes, he has shown the most promise so far this season. I think he's also been able to get the most reps. Other, I mean, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is starting. Trey Lance is kind of locked, still locked in a battle with Jimmy G, Zach Wilson. Just, I feel, again, a bad situation, you know, with the Jets. I think it's tough. I think it's still early in the season. I think Mac Jones you know, is, has been shown the most, has shown the most promise, the most improvement. And I think he's been thrown into the best situation as well with the Patriots, Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels. I agree on the Trevor Lawrence point. I mean, great talent. I, I expect him to be great if he gets the, the right opportunity in front of him, but it just depends on the organization. I don't think there's really much to be said about his play. Thus far, Trey Lance also kind of, not much thus far, to be honest, either. He didn't, he didn't look great yesterday, but we, ha we haven't seen a lot of him. So I think, you know, it's compared to uh, Mac Jones, which we've seen plenty of to kind of get a little taste of. Um, another QB we've seen a lot is, is Zach Wilson. Up and down, I would say. Great throws, some bad throws. But it's, I mean, it's, it's a roller coaster for him thus far. I believe he's, but he's the most sacked QB highest interceptions thus far, but then he's got those plays where he chucks it a beautiful ball to, to Corey Davis for a touchdown. How are we feeling about Zach Wilson thus far? I know he's on a very bad team. Yeah, I think, um, I think being compared to Sam Darnold, just the last quarterback that the Jets had that had this kind of potential. Um, I think he's, a, I th he is definitely more exciting than, uh, than Sam Darnold, just because of the, what you mentioned, Connor, um, 
you, that uncertainty you have with him. He's not really going to – he will make those those safe throws, but there's also the chance that he'll scramble out and throw like across his body or something to and find a wide open receiver or a covered receiver downfield and still make uh, a great play, great uh, read on that play. So I don't know, Jed, just going off of what you said, um, up and down really, but I think that just has to do more with the situation that he's been put in. Um, he has to play like that and try to create some sort of offense for himself when the line's breaking down within like a second and the receivers are always covered. He has to do that. Um, just kind of get the chains moving, get something going for this team that is really needing some offense. So there'll obviously come a lot of mistakes with that, but I think that you also get a good amount of like wild plays like we saw against the Titans that got him the win. So again, up and down, you'll never know what you'll get with him, but hopefully he'll start. If he starts limiting those errors, he'll, he'll be, he'll be looking really good as the season goes on. I'd say the same thing. It's just been, again, good quarterback thrown into a bad situation he's done good things but he's also done bad things he is also a rookie at the same time who's been thrown into one of the worst situations you know in the nfl besides trevor lawrence with the jaguars and davis mills with the texans he's shown promise he's shown he's shown flashes of his talent and his potential but we have to remember he's been placed on the jets so you know they have been getting better they've been adding good players but it's, again, it's just such a tough situation with him that hopefully he's going to be able to develop and limit those errors like you, talk, like you talked about, Manny, and become a more consistent quarterback who's capable of winning games and coming in the clutch. Final rookie QB to talk about, Justin Fields. We discussed him a little bit earlier. I mean, it's kind of just a matter of few plays. I, I liked him a lot yesterday. I know it was against the Lions, but it's a it's – a, you got to look good against the Lions at this point in time. And I thought he looked pretty good against the Lions. It was great on play action. He had a couple beautiful throws. He can run well, he can scramble, and he's got the leadership, which we talked about earlier. Are there any concerns for Justin Fields thus far besides Matt Nagy being his coach, I guess? Yeah, uh, I don't mean – I don't think so. I think other than Matt Nagy, like you said, Connor, not really playing him, not – if the whole organization doesn't really support um, the the really lucky situation that they have that Justin Fields felt at them and to have their franchise quarterback for however many years. I think other than that, he hasn't really shown me anything that um, that really worries me because like the other, like his other um, draft um, members in this draft class. So yeah, other on like in terms of talent and um, throwing ability and all that stuff, that character, he's got it all really. He is um, probably the most complete quarterback, just in terms of talent and mechanics and everything. He has it all. But again, it's just um, whether he plays, whether the Bears don't botch this up like they did with Mitchell Trubisky, who was also touted as being a really great quarterback. If they actually develop him and make and put the pieces around him to be successful, I think they'll be looking very good over, the, again, however many years he plays in the NFL and in that division. I think it's just been he's been placed in such a bad situation development wise, and I think it's a matter of when Ryan Pace is, or excuse me, Matt Nagy is going to put him into position to be the starter and gain game experience, develop his craft, and become better over time, more consistent. I don't think we've really been given a good, you know, test testing of his ability so far in the NFL, just because uh matt Nagy just doesn't like to play him for whatever reason likes andy dalton so much so i think it's been a tough situation for just justin fields but 
hopefully he's going to be able to start because I think he's a great talent and they have decent weapons around them on offense. We're only continue to invest in, you know, the weaponry around him and also that defense to supplement that offense. Well, that is going to do it for our week four recap of the, the NFL. We're four weeks in. We have, I guess, what does that make it? I guess because it's 18 weeks, we we still have a, a good bit, 14 weeks left. But it, it feels kind of like it's flying by. I mean, a month of football is, is passed us by. We feel like we're learning more and more about these teams. And I am liking this NFL season. And, you know, NFL Twitter bullied uh, the NFL out of the uh, – the taunting penalties you, you really don't see them anymore so uh great job by the folks over on twitter but that's it for connor patrick and manny you can hear us every week rather wherever you get your podcast thank you for listening